please remain standing if you're able. Uh, and let's turn together to Genesis 41. Four in the Blue Bible, Genesis 41. We'll read through verse 40. Hear God's holy word. Genesis 41. After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. And behold, there came up out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump, and they fed in the reed grass. And behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile after them and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. The ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive, plump cows. And Pharaoh awoke, and he fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk. And behold, after them sprouted seven ears, thin and blighted by the east wind. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump, full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. So in the morning his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the bearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my offenses today when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. We dreamed on the same night, he and I, each having a dream with its own interpretation. A young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. When we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it out. I was restored to my office, and the baker was hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream I was standing on the banks of the Nile. Seven cows, plump and attractive, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. Seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and thin, such as I had never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the thin, ugly cows ate up the first seven plump cows. But when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were still as ugly as at the beginning. Then I awoke. I also saw in my dream seven ears growing on one stalk, full and good. Seven ears withered, thin and blighted by the east wind sprouted after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears. 
and I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them there will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. Now therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years. Let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities. Let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish through the famine. Puzzle pleased Pharaoh and all his servants, and Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this, in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. Amen. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. You may be seated. Well, Joseph was in that pit for many years. We don't know how many years uh, total uh, elapsed while he was there. We're told that two more years elapsed after uh, the dreams of the, uh, the cupbearer and the baker were told to them, and the cupbearer was restored and completely forgot Joseph. For those two years went by. He had been forgotten by man, but not by God. Of course, it had to be hugely disappointing to realize that uh, he was not going to get out of prison uh, and that he would be stuck in there for the time being for who knows how long uh, it might have been as far as Joseph knew. He certainly was hoping that chief cupbearer would keep his word and speak to Pharaoh and get him out of there. But that was not to be. And Joseph had to accept that. 
And more than that, he had to come to terms with the fact that it was God who was in control of this. Getting angry at that uh, forgetful man, that cupbearer, wouldn't help Joseph one bit. It wouldn't change things. It was God who had Joseph there. And Joseph had to come to terms with that. And he had to trust God with that. You know, you and I have times like this when we're frustrated, when we're in a spot that we're not happy about, when your plans don't work out, you don't get what you want. Maybe you get the very opposite of what you wanted. Your prayers are not answered in the way that you hoped, in the way that you think they should have been, in the time frame that you'd hoped for. It's easy to get upset and frustrated, angry even. Maybe even direct your anger at some person who you want to throw the blame at because things aren't the way you want them to be, and it's painful. But when those times come, we all need to realize that God is the one who's in control of our lives, plain and simple. It is the Lord. He's the one that you have to do business with. And like Joseph, as he experienced this disappointing delay, you and I need to submit to God in faith during those delays that we experience in life. We need to submit to his mighty hand. And we need to trust the Word of God that tells us that He is good and He's working for our good. His purposes for you and I are good. And so He's worthy of our trust. And so we should trust in Him and wait on Him patiently and with good hope for the future. And just serve Him faithfully in the meantime. I'm sure that's what Joseph did here. He didn't sit there and sulk for two years. He just continued trying to be faithful, trying to do the next thing that was before him and do it for the Lord and do it well. That's how he learned to live there in the pit. And he certainly would have never grown in the same ways that he grew in those circumstances, without this delay. God uses those delays in our lives in wonderful ways to grow us, to change us. He knows what he's doing with those delays in our lives. We, we may not know at all what he's doing, but he knows what he's doing. We're thinking about uh, wanting to be more comfortable, wanting to be free of that trial and tribulation. But life is not about our comfort. It's about our being conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. And God was doing that in Joseph. He was forming Joseph into a, a godly, God-centered man. One who was learning to trust God in the bad times, as well as the good. But, you know, to get to that point, you have to go through bad times. You have to go through times of testing. 
Trust in God, someone has said, is a lot like steel. Steel becomes stronger when heat is applied to it. That's the same with our faith. And that's what God was doing through Joseph's time in that pit, that prison. He was forging Joseph to be a trusting and faithful follower of the Lord. And of course, he's preparing him for, for greater things in the future. Well, as this chapter opens, we see this strange dream. The ruler of Egypt, Pharaoh, has these two dreams, actually. Two very bizarre dreams that are really one in meaning. And the fact that Pharaoh is uh, completely frustrated and clueless as to understand the dream, uh, dreams, that says something. I think about the Pharaohs. They claimed to be gods. But what kind of god doesn't even understand the future? That wouldn't be much of a god at all. And the point is clear here. The scripture is poking a little fun at Pharaoh. I think the Lord was revealing the folly of that idea of Pharaoh being a god. He's no god at all. But there is a God, the one true God, who knows the future and who controls it. And he is the God of Joseph, the Lord. Now, we won't take time to read the dreams over again, but look at verse 8. After waking up in the morning, Pharaoh was very troubled. His spirit was troubled, we're told. And he sent for all his, uh, his best people uh, who could try to interpret the dream, the magicians and the wise men of Egypt, called them all in and told them the dreams, but none of them. He doesn't take credit for his ability. He doesn't have this innate ability. It's just that the Lord has used him and enabled him to understand these dreams. Now, Pharaoh and all the, the, the people were used to these professional dream interpreters um, that were around in those days that they could hire to help them understand these dreams. People who claimed to have that ability, people who advertised it, uh, they, they pointed to themselves as someone special with this special hidden knowledge and ability to make these things known. But Joseph doesn't do that at all. He just says, no, it's the Lord. God and God alone is the revealer of the future. That's beautiful. Jo Joseph just points away from himself and he points everyone to the Lord. He shows great boldness and, and tremendous courage here. And he's really saying something right in the face of Pharaoh, who himself claimed to be God. He's saying, no, the Lord is the true God. He's superior to a called gods of Egypt, which are no gods at all, including Pharaoh. Joseph's proclaiming the supremacy of the true God. The Lord. 
And so after Pharaoh tells him the dreams, Joseph explains the meaning and, and notice how, again, he makes it clear, this is all about God. Through and through, he's pointing Pharaoh to God. Four times he speaks of God uh, as he explains these dreams to Pharaoh. The dreams were given by God. God is the one who's revealing these things. It's all about God and what God is doing. And in verse 32, Joseph concludes by saying, the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. The God of Joseph is absolutely sovereign and in control over all things. That's who he's proclaiming to Pharaoh. This God is the one who, who ordains all things. Joseph knows it, and he tells it to Pharaoh. And so through Joseph, God is, is revealing himself, even to the nations, we could say. He's revealing himself and his glory to Pharaoh and to Egypt. The sovereign Lord is the one who rules over Egypt and over the whole world. That's something we all need to come to terms with. So many reject that truth. But we are greatly blessed if we believe it and rest in him. Our God is sovereign and he reigns over all, over all things, over this world, over our circumstances, over everything. That should give us great peace if we're reconciled to him through his son. So this is what the future held, uh, according to uh, Joseph's uh, interpretation given by God. Seven years of great harvests are going to come, and they're going to be followed by seven years of terrible famine that are going to be so severe that the people will forget they ever had it good. They're, they're going to forget those seven years of prosperity. That's how bad it's going to be. In verse 33 and following, we see God and his prophet coming to save Egypt. And notice Pharaoh has nothing to do with it. He has nothing to do with the solution to this problem, this problem that's coming. He's, he's no help at all in this situation, this so-called God, Pharaoh, just completely powerless. It's all the wisdom and mercy of the Lord that is going to save Egypt. And again, that's, that's actually meant to be a little humorous. He's poking fun at these false gods that are worth, worthless. They're not real. They're nothing. This so-called God of Egypt is completely humbled to the point of having to seek the help and advice of an imprisoned slave and his God. In any case, Pharaoh was so convinced by Joseph's interpretation that he is all ears 
and he is ready to do whatever he needs to do next. Joseph says, okay, God has shown us what he's going to do. He's going to do it shortly. So now we need to get busy and we need to put a plan in place to get ready for this. We need to store up 20% of the grain during those plentiful years so that we'll have food during the lean years. And I don't think Joseph was angling for the job of this wise and discerning man that he says Pharaoh should set over his kingdom. He's just speaking what God gave him to say. He's speaking the truth about the need to get going and get this plan enacted. But he's already laid out the whole plan to save Egypt, and Pharaoh recognized that Joseph was just the right person for that job. That job. And notice something here. We see this revelation of God's sovereignty over all these things, His control over these things. This is His plan that's going to be unfolding. Made it known uh, how they should respond to it. But understanding of God's sovereignty doesn't lead these people to be passive. The knowledge of God's sovereignty shouldn't lead us to be passive either. It should lead to diligent action, just as it did with these Knowing what God was going to do here leads them to get up and get going, get busy, and to do the things they need to do. Pray with us as well. Knowing that we have a God who is absolutely sovereign and in control of all things should make us want to make every effort to live in light of his revelation of himself and of the things that he's made known to us, the things that he is doing and plans to do. Pharaoh and his people needed to be prepared. And so they did take action. And we need to respond in that same way. God has made known to us, His Word. God has revealed Himself and He has revealed His plan for the world and for all of human history. He's made it known through the Scriptures and supremely through His Son, Jesus Christ, who is the focus of all the Scriptures. And in Him, we have all that we need to know. So now, in light of the knowledge of God that we have in Jesus Christ, we need to take appropriate action. We ought to be serious 
and sober-minded people, serious about God's Word and obey it. And we need to prepare ourselves and we need to prepare others for what is coming in the future. And what is that that's coming in the future? Well, among others told us they had a coming day for judgment. This world is not going to go on and on day after it doing today. The Lord is going to come and he's going to bring this whole world and human history as we know it to an end. And every person will stand at the judgment and every sin will be dealt with and every person who remains unreconciled to him through faith in his son they will bear their own sin but the good news is today is the day of salvation today is the time to repent today is the time opportunity to believe that good news of God's saving grace in Jesus Christ and to trust in him he is the savior that God has provided for us the one and only and now is the time to be reconciled to God through him to be saved alone apart from our works through faith alone trusting in Jesus Christ alone and then we need to live in light of that glorious grace that we've received in him. We need to live lives of gratitude, grateful service to the Lord for all that he's done in Christ. Every spiritual blessing that he's bestowed on us. We need to live in love to him and serve him with all our strength that he gives us and to give of ourselves to his cause. The gospel demands that kind of response, that kind of serious action from everyone who hears it. Let's never forget that. Let's take the appropriate action, people. Trust in the one and only here and follow him faithfully by his grace all your days. Oh, Lord our God, we thank you for your, your sovereign purposes as you've caused them to unfold. We thank you for your providence, which is perfect. Help us to trust in your providence, even as Joseph did, Help us to learn to lean on you and trust in you in times of waiting, in those times of delay. Help us to know and believe that you hold our lives and all things in the palm of your hand. Teach us to trust in you even when we don't understand your plans and purposes in our lives. 
We thank you that you've made known to us your ultimate plan and purpose in Christ. So help us to live in light of what you have made known to us in the gospel. Give us faith in your Son and conform us to his likeness. We thank you for hearing us and helping us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.